What's well, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Fitness Slip Breakdown. I've got another guest lined up. I'm pumped to chat with Tom Weimer. I'll uh, I'll let him say hey. I'll let him give a quick kind of a brief maybe background, and then we'll kind of get things rolling here. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Uh, my name is Tom Weimer. As Nick just said, uh, I am the lead programmer, strength coach for Level Ten Coaching. Um, we are an online based. Uh, health coaching provider and we take clients on pretty much from all over the country all over the world sometimes um, but I am their lead programmer I work with uh, some of our nutrition coaches in conjunction with them and I write the training programs for those clients and then I have some clients of my own so that's the bulk of what I do currently um, my background is athletic training uh, that's what I kind of came up through went to school for I did that for years I worked at a high school um, and then I got slowly into strength and conditioning as, <clears throat> as I uh, did that. And I kind of took that role on more and more with the school, which then led me to the online Instagram, you know, world and kind of where I'm at now. So that's, that's the short version of uh, you know, my background. Yeah. Lots to dive in there. And I appreciate you taking the time to, to sync up with me. Um, been wanting to kind of get you on here for a while. Cause I like following your stuff and, and how you do stuff at home and, how you've had a, the background is cool. I mean, not, I feel like there's not a lot of people in our field that have had all the experience working on the back end of injury. And now you kind yeah. of flip that role. And I'm sure that really, you know, dictates a lot with how you program kind of understanding the, the, the kind of like the things that go on with injury and say, Hey, how can I combat this? Um, so kind of walk me through a little bit more about your, your background with uh, the high school team. Cause I feel like you did a lot in that and transitioned more to strength too. Yeah, so I basically, I started, let's say I went to school, Bowling Green, Eastern Illinois grad school, worked football team there. This is all athletic training, so just sports medicine stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then I eventually wound up at Aurora High School, which is in Ohio. And when I was there, I was working through the Cleveland Clinic. So contracted out to that school. I was, you know, providing all the medical services, sports medicine, and the coaches knew I was like into working out. So they would always ask me questions about, hey, can you help us with, you know, a workout for the day. It, it, you know, it started off with like, Hey, we just need help with a workout today. <laughs> you know, and then it became, you know, Hey, we're in the weight room, but these kids have these problems. You know, this, this girl has a knee issue. What can I have her do instead of squats? What can we, what can she still do? Right. So a lot of it became, you know, I, I mixed the two worlds together quite a bit, but I wasn't really doing the weight room stuff. I was just kind of helping these coaches navigate that you know, and, and kind of being a little more hands-off. And then within about two, three years of when I started there, uh, one of the coaches approached me and she was like, is there any way you could just write up our whole summer training plan? And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm like, yeah, I probably could. I don't see why I, I've never, I'd never done it before. And then this is before I had my CSCS, but I was like, I don't see why I couldn't do it. So I talked to my bosses to make sure it was, you know, okay for me to do. Um, and I did it. And I worked with them all summer, you know, it was like, you know, you know a couple hours, three times a week. And then other teams caught wind of that and they were like, well, if he's doing that for them. Can he do that for us? So then it became like uh, my hours in the summer used to be like at a clinic and the school, the clinic and the school were like, can he just be here all summer doing training for all of our teams pretty much. Mm -hmm. So I took, I took a lot of teams over football kind of had their own thing going. Um, so I was in there helping them with a lot of the injured guys and then correcting form. Just if you ever worked in the high school weight room, you correct form all day nonstop. I mean, to the point where it, it almost became a thing where I was like, you know, it's okay for kids to have, I don't want to say bad form, like to where it would hurt them, 
but not all form needs to be perfect, right? right. I mean, they're never going to learn. And this is something that I've kind of, that helped me learn in the online community, but you're never going to be perfect at what you do. It's just, it's so hard to have perfect form. Um, so it's, I always offer minor corrections now and things like that, but that taught me a lot about like, you just, you're never going to get perfect form out of these, these kids or out of your clients. It's just, it's so hard because we as coaches, right. We know what that feels like. We know what that, that is. So when we see like small improvements, we should really celebrate that because mm -hmm. it might not be perfect on our eyes, but we can go, okay, they corrected at least one thing this time. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that helped me kind of prepare in that, in that role anyway, um, for the online job. Yeah. I mean, I would hit on that a lot, especially in my teaching role. And I still, I still talk about it quite a bit in that obviously we, we strive for what quote unquote, you know, techniques should look like in a lot of movements. Yep. But like you mentioned, everybody kind of has their own systems of movement and what that looks like for them and what the feedback they're getting and how they understand that. And I think it, like you mentioned, it hit, hit, hit it spot on was like sometimes baby steps are what is going to be more appropriate. Cause you're never going to change someone from like, you know, a 60 at a 100, you know, F score, <laughs> they're not yep. going to get to an 85 overnight, you know? Right. So it's like little baby steps, get them to understand what that feels like. And even at the point of um, even analyzing it against what, what you would think of perfect technique, they may never get there, but maybe that's not right for them anyway. Right. You know, and if they've ever been, you know, I always had this question was kind of hypothetical of like, this person has exercised for a decade and their technique on like a split squat or, or whatever, you know, doesn't look perfect, but they're still firing and recruiting the, cor the correct muscle and they've never been injured before. Are you going to go ahead and really try and alter their technique? You know, right. And most people are like, yeah, they're not, it's not great technique. I'm like, well, what if you change their technique? And then now they start having issues, <laughs> <laughs> which is probably what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a fine line of like understanding and that's kind of the art form a little bit too. You know, they're never yeah. going to read that in a textbook, but um, I'm sure you've seen that quite a bit and I'm sure it like, like drove you crazy in the high school setting. Cause I've been there before. It did. I used to just, my head would be spinning. And then I think the last year, which is ironically was the last year I did it. I started to just kind of like not back off, but I would let kids get through a set before I corrected them mm -hmm. because you learn like, which online, I don't have this issue, but you would learn it in person. Like you talking to someone while they're holding a heavy barbell, they're trying to recruit proper uh, muscle fibers, you know, muscle groups. And then you're yelling at them, not yelling, but you're like, Hey, make sure you do that. And they're just like, all of a sudden throws them way off mid set. <laughs> it's like, yeah. let them get through their 10, as long as they're not going to hurt themselves, let them get through their 10 reps or however many reps, and then offer the suggestion afterwards. And for the next sets. Cause I used to be like, I'm doing this. I see that correct that. Cause I'm not going to make it over there. Now I mm -hmm. would just, you know, I would back off a lot more. And I think that helped a lot. Yeah. And that's just a, a place where ego is high you know, resistance yep. is always king over technique. So it's a fine, it's kind of a fine balance of like, what, do, what is the appropriate thing to tell this person where they're going to respond to it? It's really it. You know? Um, yeah. So the, uh, you know, uh, you and I share a similar uh, kind of trajectory right now with online coaching. So how'd you get into that? Cause I'm, I'm you know, that's kind of my wheelhouse as well. So I was uh, an inter paid certified intern at Northwestern for one year. And I worked with the football and the baseball teams and the baseball team, you know, they had fall ball and stuff. So I would finish football practice, have lunch, baseball practice in the afternoon. And then I had, you know, all spring I had baseball. So there was a kid on the baseball team who, a guy on the baseball team who was, uh, 
always sitting next to me in a dugout, chatting with me, talking, right? We became really close, good friends. Even after I had left there, I went to the University of Finley for a couple of years. We would always text like, you know, every, every so often. And then he tells me one day, he's like, hey, my girlfriend's on Instagram. She's doing this fitness stuff. And he's like, you should check it out. Just like, you know, you guys are both like in the same kind of like feel. You guys probably both get along great. Like she's, she's very science back, blah, blah, blah. So I started following her and I, and I kind of forgot about it because I didn't use Instagram that much. And years go by, her Instagram starts blowing up. Like it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And she's starting to put out a lot of details and she's doing her own coaching thing. All the while I'm doing my career path with the strength and conditioning. And I slowly start, you know, just posting my stuff on my personal page, just workouts, nothing, nothing educational. It's just me working out. And eventually, um, got to a point where I was like, well, I'll create my own page. So I did the strength remedy page and she had reached out to me like very shortly after that and was like, Hey, I want to hire you like freelance, help me create this, uh, offer for clients that I, I want to write up. Uh, it was for her own personal thing, but she was going to pay me to do like the programming side of things while she did the nutrition side. So I did that for her. And, um, it, it worked out well. And she was like, okay, I really like the work you did. She was, I'm thinking I might hire you to write my client's training plans because she's like my business coach said I should outsource it. And she's like, you know what you're doing, you know, injury history. Like, I know you're not going to kill anyone, but you're also going to be able to work. She's like, I've seen what you do. You know what you're doing. Right. So I was like, all right, sounds like a nice little side gig while I'm working at the schools. <laughs> yeah. Like two days go by and she's like, I'm hiring another coach to do nutrition you're going to write their programs too. And I was like, Whoa, she goes, but I can't call it, which by the way, this is Joel Cavagnaro. If you don't know who that is, like go follow her on Instagram uh, at Joel Samantha. Um, but it's my boss. So, mm -hmm. so she creates this small company. It's the three of us and it's March of 2020. So, yeah. Right. Perfect timing. I mean, in a way it was actually really good timing because everybody was home. The gyms were closed and people were like, uh, I need something. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so we, we, it took off. And within like two months after that, they hired, uh, three more coaches, I believe. And I was doing most, not all those coaches, uh, training plans, some of them write their own, but, uh, I was doing a good handful of them. So took off from there and, uh, we haven't looked back since. So I write, That's incredible. it is, it's, it's, it's amazing because at a certain point it became, my wife wound up getting a full-time job and I was like making just enough money that, where we were like, do we want to be stay at home dad or we want to pay for daycare? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I, I love my kids. And, and this isn't to say people who do daycare don't, but I just love being around my kids. And I was like, I want to be home. So it funds us enough to where I can be home and do this any time of day. It's the, when I explain it to people, family, friends who just aren't in this realm, they're like, what do you do? Like, <laughs> and they're like, so you, you get on zoom and you work out with people. I'm like, no, I don't know. <laughs> so right it's you did you're you're kind of like you know uh almost the exact same situation i'm in in wow. that uh you know i wanted to stay with my my boys too and yeah. like we just try to maximize the amount of time we have together just like you do and oh. you know right it's like you describe to people well you have three times where you get to work done in the morning before they wake up during nap time and in the evening, exactly. <laughs> which, yeah. which Tom, exactly Tom and I are talking right now at 7.53 in the evening, our, our time. So it's like, this is our, this is our golden time to get some work done. Right. Yeah. They just went down. Well, the little ones give my wife some trouble right now, but my son's down and he's knocked out and 
I don't have to worry about like he won't if he does wake up, it's not going to be till two a.m. or something. So yeah, yeah, right. So it's like you. I mean, before I like to have like huge chunks of time. I'm talking like ten years ago for me to like think I needed to get like in the zone to get work done. You can get like an eight hours day of work done in about three hours. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. When you know you only have three hours, you somehow get it done. Oh, there <laughs> was know? when we first started, and and I was man, they were hammering with programs and this was when I was still at the school so there was a period where I was still at the school and working so I had no choice but to do early mornings I'd wake up at 4 55 mm-hmm. hit the coffee button because I had it prepped the night before come here start boom I was at my desk programs until he wakes up and then now we had one kid at the time so half the time she would take care of him but I would go until like eight and then she would have to go either go to work or I would take you know take over but like you said three hours I get all my work done because I just didn't take a break. I just sat there, boom, 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 got it all done. Right. It's amazing how, how like focused you can be when you kind of have that crunch, but also it's like, you know, you realize how efficient you can be at the same time. Oh yeah. Yeah. My, my time management's gone through the roof. Every yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, uh, um, I think this, this is a question I have a lot in conversations. I have a lot with my clients that I work with. And I'm assuming that this is probably similar to you guys. People with families and kids yeah. have such a hard time of like, well, when am I going to find the time to get this workout done? Yep. And if you, if anybody out there listening follows me or Tom's page, which is, I'll let him say it. Strength remedy. Strength remedy, right? Yep. Um, if you ever watch any of our stories, we pretty much exercise every time with our kids around. <laughs> yeah. The majority, or sometimes it might be napping, but most of the time there's a kid, you know, rolling around or walking around. And that's the kind of the answer I usually respond with. I'm like, well, do you want, number one, do you want your kids to see you be active? Do you want them to see that happen? And 99% of the time, they're like, well, yeah, I want them to understand that's an important part of behave, my behavior. I'm like, well, why don't you do that? <laughs> right. You know? So I think you do such a great job with that too, of like incorporating your movement at home and some, you know, if the kids are there, great, let's make them a part of it. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, early on, it was like, he'd be in like, uh, something stationary and he'd just be bouncing around watching. I don't even know if he knew what's going on, but it was fine. And then lately, if he is, there's times where like, he's awake and nap time wasn't happening for a workout because I had other stuff going on. And I'm like, let's just go downstairs. I'll work out. And he'll either ignore me and play with toys or he'll mimic me the whole time. So they're mm-hmm. always watching. He's starting to mimic more and more and more. Um, but I will say the amount of client check-in videos I have from moms who work out there are always kids in these videos Mm -hmm. and they're usually hanging out or watching or uh goofing off and then the mom's like you ruined my shot i can't i'm I'm not gonna see this which then they you know they they leave that in there for me to laugh but um and i love it i think it's great because they're incorporating that movement with parenting with you know these behavior patterns that we want these kids to have at a super young age and they're all doing it in a healthy way. No one's exercising, you know, no one's showing their kids like, Oh, I got to stay on a treadmill for five hours because I got to, yeah. you know, they're showing them healthy movement patterns, healthy workouts. So I think it's, I think it's great to see, um, you know, I, I do understand sometimes that parents want that alone time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do respect that when a parent's like, I want my workout time to be my time, at least, you know, most of the time. And that's where, you know, you got to have the time of the tough conversation of, well, if it's not going to, if your kids are too old for naps and you got to pick between, you know, super early or super late, 
mm-hmm. you got to, so do you really want to wake up early or do you want to sacrifice your eating? Something has to give somewhere. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I always like to, you know, for me, I would much rather have, I'd rather get up early and just kind of be in my own brain, read, just chill, whatever. And then work out with my kids compared to, you know, yeah. what some people get when they get super revved about like starting a new program or doing something those first two weeks, they can get up at five 30 to work out beyond yep. that they're, they're toast, right? It's just not going to happen. It's not sustainable for most people. Yeah. So it's like, you know, can we find that time in the morning or evening to be you time and then make what you're perceiving as the you time during your workout include yep. someone else. And I think that makes a huge difference for me anyway. Definitely. That's good yeah. advice. Yeah. Um, what about, I know you kind of, you sent me a couple prompts, which was, I like, um, this is a great, I get this question a lot. I'm sure you do too. Like when you're most of your material and equipment in spaces at home to work out, you don't have a gym membership. What are some equipment that you tend to recommend? I think this is a big one that people don't want to spend a ton of money on it, but I also understand like, this is a huge investment that usually if you do it right, make once and it lasts forever too, at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So Almost every client that asked me that, like, they're, they're like, Hey, I have, I mean, if you can afford coaching, typically you can probably afford some equipment. Um, unless you tell me otherwise, if you tell me otherwise, then I'll, I'll work with you on a low budget, you know, equipment, but then we're gonna have to modify the programming to accommodate that equipment. Mm-hmm. But if you're telling me like, Hey, I still want to be able to make decent, you know, really good progress and get stronger. Um, I always start with adjustable dumbbells. I think, um, one, they're space saving Two, they're economical. Um, if you get a good brand, they're going to last you a long, long time and they transport well, um, you know, and and you can, for most people, most of the people I train, um, I would say even just the set that's like five to 52 and a half is going to go a long way Mm -hmm. just because we can, we can do a lot of, you know, unilateral stuff for the legs. Um, we can get a little creative with other types of exercises that are bilateral as opposed to just doing like goblet squats. Um, but I, I like that. I would say, um, you know, depending on the client, if they're, if they have an athletic background, I'll say, you know, you probably want to get two kettlebells, you know, one that's a little lighter, one that's a little bit moderately heavy for you. So I, you know, check that person's weight and strength and history and offer up suggestions on a, on a load. Um, I like to tell people to get uh, pull up bands just because that's a cheap option to mimic kind of cable work, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. It's not ideal. I would never tell anyone like, Hey, you just have bands. You're going to get huge. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. But not gonna for, the, for the parent training at home, that is going from fairly sedentary to, Hey, I want to learn how to do these workouts. Bands are great. Um, I've seen a lot of people, you know, make progress with those things. So I'd say like those three things are, are a great place to start. And then you can kind of build from there. I will say if you're, if you're like, Hey, I'm serious. I want to build my gym a little bit more Then I would say like a bench an adjustable bench. Um, you know, that's a big one. I would say potentially like a TRX, um, they're, you know, they have enough like off brand TRX now where I think mm-hmm. you could, if you're like, Hey, I don't want the official TRX cause it's 200 some dollars. There's like some on Amazon for a hundred something. And then you got to find a place to mount it. I mounted mine to my ceiling stud. Um, so I Same. know it's not going, yeah, I mean, I mean it, the bolts are like, you get the, the mount from, from Amazon, the bolts are like that thick, so yeah. deep. So, you know, my boss was like, she was watching me do an exercise. She goes, your ceiling's going to come down. I'm like, it's bolted into the stud. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> it's in a floor joist. I'm pretty sure it can handle a couple hundred pounds. Yeah. 
yeah, it's it's not going anywhere. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, those are great but, suggestions. It's all about like mo- mobility, storage, keeping it. You yeah. know, yeah, I think that's key. Um, you know, I think that gets you a long way too for oh, most yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, I think you know if you can, if, if I mean, I have a set that the power box that goes up to ninety. I'm not doing Bulgarian splits cross with nineties in my hands right now. So mm-hmm. I know I have potential to get, I'm getting closer, but I know I have potential to reach still with the nineties, you know, on those exercises, certain upper body stuff like myself and uh, Brad, who's a coworker of mine, we're like capped out on nineties, but again, you can do other things and, and move in other ways and change your body positioning to make movement patterns harder to where whatever weight you're using you know, is adequate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I preach a lot too. um, just based on what I've seen working with people and what the literature tells me on, and I think you do a lot of this as well. Most of your workouts being kind of involving full body. Um, is that how you program most of your clients too? So it depends if you're, I mean, some of our clients are, I would say it's 50, 50. We have a lot of people that do three days a week and those are pretty much, they'll at least do one full body day a week. Some of them will request like, Hey, I want to make sure I do like a legs focused and an arms focused. And then I'll Mm -hmm. give them some of those. And then a full, some of them don't care. And I just go, you get three full body days. Yeah. (laughs) And I like doing that, especially for newbies because sometimes newbies, I don't know what their consistency is and their habits are. So missing a day when you have three full body days, isn't as big of a deal because Mm -hmm. you're probably not missing major muscle groups. Whereas if it's like upper, lower, upper, lower, or upper, lower, full, if you miss your lower all of a sudden two weeks in a row, that's a lot of leg volume. It just got taken out from you. Whereas three full body days, it's not that big of a deal. So I would say a good chunk of ours do full body, but it's, it's definitely, it's not all of them. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I got people that work out five days a week and they'll do upper, lower, upper, lower, full, or, you know, certain female clients will do upper, lower, upper, lower glutes or something yeah. <laughs> or whatever, you know, Gotta squeeze the glutes all, in there. yeah, some of them will be like, I want a glute focused day. And I'm like, all right, well then you're getting a quad focused day early in the week. <laughs> so good luck with that one. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. I always kind of, you know, it comes down to volume and how many total sets are you getting per muscle group? Yep. And, and you can do such a good, you know, even if you want, I, I mean, most of the time, like for myself and some clients that they're doing four to five days per week, you can still do full body, but you can tweak things like intensity or speed and yep. you can play with bilateral, unilateral and planes of motion and still literally do legs five days a week, but still be fully recovered for each next session. If you do it right and program it right. So, yeah. um, I'm a huge fan of that. Plus it's just like bang for your buck, you know? So I think most people think like you got to do a ton of accessory single jointed stuff. I'm like, you should be doing minimal of that and yeah. majority multi, you know, multi-joint complex compound movements. Um, yeah. What have you found? I'm sure you've got kind of a recipe working on the injury side of things and working on the, the strength and conditioning side of things. I always kind of think of like when I'm programming for somebody, it's, you know, these aren't exactly hard and fast numbers, but it's like 30% of their programming is kind of like almost like a, a PT. It's like, what's going to help you recover and allow you to move and regenerate And the other 70% is the work that 30% allows you to do. Right. If that makes any kind of sense in your brain, I know it's eight o'clock in the the evening, but no, it's it's, (laughs) no more fried. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I think I always think 
so I, when we program rest periods for some clients, just because we know that like, they come from like, uh, I did orange theory. So I'm like, mm. okay, yeah. so you're, and then, and then they, but they go, but I want to do whatever you guys tell me to do. And I go, all right, like, then you're getting very detailed programming because if I don't tell you to rest for a minute and a half, two and a half minutes, you're going to rest for 15 seconds and blow through this workout too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, I, but we do, we do intro loom videos where I explain everything, but besides the point, um, I would say, so if I'm doing exercise selection, I'm thinking about recovery in terms of like, I wouldn't have somebody do front squats, leg extensions back to back. Mm -hmm. And that's just because my typical leg days are not like quad, most clients, it's not like quad focused or glute focused or posterior chains, right? So I don't want someone to go from front squats and then immediately jump into more quad focused work. I might have them do like front squats, hamstring curls or RDLs maybe leg extensions at the end. This is depends on, also depends on, you know, their comfort level in the gym. Mm -hmm. I would say if you're at a full, full scale gym, I'll utilize those types of machines towards the end of your workouts. But um, yeah, I think the recovery aspect is important with rest periods, exercise selection. I'm also thinking about if it's a full body day, um, you know, you, what you did on day one, okay, what are you doing on day two? I'm not going to keep overloading you with those same muscle groups. Right. Mm -hmm. So yep. that's all it's like, it's kind of like piecing a puzzle together that in my brain, I can do it really quick. But if I told someone else to do it, they'd be like, wait, what <laughs> but, but you, I look at it real quick and I can go, Oh, that looks good. That looks good. That's enough rest. That's enough. You know, that exercise is far enough away from that exercise. There's two days over here. They'll right. Be yeah. Right crazy how like in your head like it just all makes sense like that but if i explain it to somebody you're like i can't believe you do all that in that quick of time <laughs> <laughs> same man it's that's that's what i think the beauty of the art of it i mean obviously there's, there's yeah. a science part but it's like you have to have somewhat of a foundational understanding of what that looks like what it feels like how it's going to yeah. affect the next movement you know yeah and you know once you've done it enough and kind of understand that it it's like that's the fun puzzle part of it but the yeah. onlooker would be like what are you even doing right now okay. you know it's like it's a mess <laughs> A lot of that I learned from, um, I didn't learn as much about that, not, not recovery specifically, but like the exercise selection piece until we got, I started getting client feedback consistently mm -hmm. early on where they'd be like, it would be like jokingly because most people don't care. They don't want, they're just like, wow, my legs were cooked. That was great. But I'm like, oh, shit. but they'd be yeah. like, really, Tom, front squats, leg extensions, and you know, whatever other quad exercise all back to back on the same day. And I'd be like. I didn't even think about that. So it was like very early on, I kind of learned like, okay, you got to space this stuff out. And like you said, there's an art to the science. Um, and I think that goes, it's, it's hard to discuss that online in a short form mm -hmm. educational Instagram world. But I think there's a lot of that that goes into play when you're, uh, when you're programming for clients. For sure. Yeah. Hence the, one of the purposes of this podcast that, that yeah. you know, it's like, yeah. hey, if you, you know, 30 seconds can kind of get you interested, but it, it sometimes takes more time than to understand the, all the ins and outs. Um, yep. But speaking of the time, this is a good one that you had, because this is a big one. I'm sure that you kind of see in your world as well. It's like training when you have a limited amount of time for yeah. like, this is, this is the amount of time I have for the day. What am mm -hmm. I going to do? Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's a big one. We all get certain clients that like they cap it. Right. And someone will be like, I can only work out for an hour. And I'm like, you can do a lot an hour. Like, yeah, that's, that's probably almost too much. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I mean, minor, minor only an hour. If I'm really like, like 
being lazy and I'm on my phone a bunch and I'm, mm-hmm. or I'm demotivated or I'm just not having a day where I'm with it most of the time, because nap time is only so long and I got to eat lunch after that. Yeah. So like, right. So I'm like 45, 40 minutes. I'm like in and out. And that includes warm up. Yep. And I'm still resting a good amount between my sets, but it's the work you do. I always tell us the clients, it's the work you do within your sets and the intensity you apply that that's the goal right there. So if, if I'm doing, let's say I'm doing reverse lunges and I, and I'm doing an RIR of six, every time mm-hmm. I'm leaving a lot in the tank. Well, of course I'm going to feel good in two seconds and be able to, you know, do more sets and reps. But if I just take it to like RIR two or one, almost consistently, I'm always going to see growth. I'm always going to see um, results. I'm always going to be fatigued enough to where I need that rest. And I probably don't need a lot of sets. Right. So yep. if the rest period is long, but it's because you worked hard, you really only need two to three working sets anyway. So I, I try to explain it to clients beforehand because some of them will be like, I added a fourth set. And I'm like, why? That means you weren't working hard enough in the other. <laughs> like, you, don't need a, you never need a fourth set. So, yeah, no, I love that. That's, that's, you know, I tell the same thing. It's like, we should be getting in and out 40 minutes, warm up and cool down included. Um, and like you mentioned that, that repetitions in reserve, I think once you kind of understand what that feels like, that's a key part for you to like, you know, continually see improvement without totally blowing yourself up each time. Definitely. We, we, certain clients like that, they're like brand new beginners. I don't bother with reps in reserve because that's such a like down the line. I just need you to get moving. Right. Yeah. Um, and then honestly, that probably will be enough and they'll work hard enough if they're just moving, if it's more than they've been doing. Um, but clients that have been training a little bit, they're like, Oh, I've been lifting for like a few months now. What we'll do is I learned this from another coworker of mine, John is we'll just have people test their rep maxes at like the range they're going to be working in anyway. But he'll be like, I want you to take this first week, take all your sets to like zero RIR. So like go until you can't contract the muscle anymore. Mm-hmm. And you do that and, you, and clients will be like, I did like 25 reps. And you're like, yeah, because you were never using enough weight to begin with. Like, load it <laughs> up. That's a good eye opener. Yeah. Load it up. And now tell me how many reps you can do. Mm-hmm. So it's a good way to like, kind of like almost unlock something in a person's brain. Like, oh my gosh, I can do this much weight to like full muscle failure. Yeah. And then they go, wow, I was so sore the next day. <laughs> like, oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. You were finally like contracting that muscle. Yeah. Volume to the roof too, even though resistance is low, but just, Yeah. That's yeah. a good point. I think that's a good test for anybody that's, you know, trying to get a reset or a better understanding of what they're doing just training wise. Do what Tom said. Like just say, take the resistance you're you're working at. You probably already know inherently that it's not a lot, but you're not really sure where to go from there. Take that lighter weight, see what you can do with proper technique, obviously, right? It's probably a yeah. lot more reps than you can than you think you can get. And then from, yeah. And then from there, then you've got a better idea of like, oh, I can probably add, you know, 10 pounds on this movement, 15 pounds on that movement, get me back down to 12 reps with two or three in the tank. Then I'm going to start seeing some, you know, major improvements. I think that's a really good one to think about and save time, right? It's like, you don't need four or five, six sets unless you're trying to like just build crazy volume to get over some kind of a hurdle that you've been fighting against. But then we're talking like more time, not the regular everyday person, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I think um, another little like techniques we can use if you're someone that's like i have a half hour or i only have 25 minutes we've, we've had people say like i can work out every day but i only have 20 to 25 so then you have other options right you could say all right well we're just going to do three to maybe four maybe three four exercises a day probably three and we're just going to spread them out over seven days i mean that's an option and then you just keep all your volume low 
and you and you can do that. I've done that with clients. I had one that was like, I want to work out. I only can work out 20 minutes, but I'm willing to work out six days a week. And I was like, mm-hmm. we can work with this. That's you good. Know, that's do, a lot of that's a lot of hours when you add it up. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's, I mean, it winds up being the same as like what I do. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then they and it worked out for them. They were they were able to hit you know just two comp two or three compound movements a day. They got all their work in, and then there was no fluff to the program. It was just that stuff. Yeah. And they yeah. liked it. They were like, it was good. Cause I just, I know I was squatting. I know I was pressing or whatever. So yeah. Bare um, bones. Keep it simple. Yep. You can do that. There's always EMOMs, AMRAPs, things like that. If you're, if you got someone that like likes to get a little more pacing to their workouts in mm-hmm. uh, or somebody that's like, listen, I'm not trying to get huge. I'm not trying to get super strong. I just want to get quote unquote fit. Mm-hmm. I'll do stuff like that. Um, you know, for certain clients, as long as their biofeedback's good and they can handle stuff like that. So there's, there's options. Yeah. I think most people just want to, you know, obviously they want to look better. They want to become more fit, but most people just want to feel better. Like yeah. they may not, they may come out, you know, initially and tell you that. And that's where I, I've even started on some people that have had like just a, a, a tough history of on and off the wagon a lot or yeah. not much experience ever with exercise. I've taken that approach that you mentioned of like, Hey, let's literally take 20 minutes a day. We're not going to get crazy. It's very easy for you to mentally get your mind around that. <laughs> We're going to do basic movements. Going to get tech. It's really a great time to just practice on technique without fatigue setting in, you know, and let's just build from there. And I think just having that pattern of continual movement on a daily basis, they got the benefit of feeling better, you know, way before, like they got much more quote unquote fit. And yeah. that was a really good motivator to continue, you know, either increasing time or just stick with that because it's working, you know? Yeah. So I think that's a really good, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's a great place to start for anybody that's like having an issue with, you know, trying to find the time because you can get a lot done in 20 minutes. It may not seem oh, like it, you know, mentally, it may be hard to wrap your mind around that until you've had some consistency, you know, doing it. So definitely. that's a good one that you brought up. Um, what about, um, I think this is a tough one too. And, and uh, you had brought it up about, you know, really understanding when you, ha- when someone has a goal in mind, you know, maybe it's to, to lose X number of pounds or to gain X number of muscle or strength or whatever it looks like understanding how to train and connect that with the goal. So, yeah. So to, to you're talking on the client's end or my end, uh, maybe, uh, maybe on the client's end, how do you, how do you coach someone around? Like, Hey, I want to, you know, I'm trying to lose 10 pounds in, in X number of mo- a week, months or whatever. You know, what does that training yeah. look like for just a generic person? You maybe you can give me an example of a person you've worked with. Yeah. So we had a, I had a uh, training client only that was a one-on-one of mine and her, her goal was initially was very weight loss specific. Um, and it was X amount of pounds by X date. Right. But the, the goal and the date were not mm, yep. meeting up. Right. So I think one. that, that happens a lot. Yep. Um, most of our clients that come to us don't have that issue because they follow us on social media and they're like, we know that you're not about the extreme approaches. Like I'm in it for the long haul, blah, blah. So we don't have that issue too often. Um, but this specific client, you know, the education there was, you know, educating on healthy weight loss. Right. So everything I know about healthy weight loss is, you know, depending on your body weight, but it's about like one to two pounds a week over the course of X amount of time you're going to see a, a good results. Now, if you're somebody that is, you know, morbidly obese, five, 10 pounds a week is not that much because it's a percentage of your overall weight. Right. Right. I had a friend who was pushing 470 pounds 
And he's down to like two something. Now he runs marathons, but initially his weight loss was just like this cascade. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then it started to plateau, not plateau, but just kind of that, that slower grade. And I was like, and he, he asked me, and I was like, man, you're, you're not, you don't have as much to lose anymore. Like, so the percentage of what you're losing is going to go down. Just like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, but that, that light bulb needs to click for people that, you know, you might have some peaks and valleys too. It's not a linear thing where it doesn't go like straight like this. Sometimes it goes like this, you know, as you go down, sometimes you have these bad weeks, bad, could be bad, but you felt great working out. Your biofeedback was good, all this good stuff. Um, but your weight went up, right? And then yeah. you might have a really crappy week where you were sick and stressed and all this stuff and your weight went down. There's no, the body responds how the body's going to respond. Um, but you have to apply all of these things to achieve good biofeedback and which when I say biofeedback, I mean like your stress response, your sleep, um, you know, your bowels, all of that good stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that all plays into weight loss. And I think people just assume like exercise, eat less weight loss. And there's all of this other stuff that goes into it, um, which our, our nutrition coaches are great at that. Um, so luckily for me, I rarely have to deal with, uh, weight loss specific clients. Most of my clients are like, I want to get strong. I want to get yeah. Like, yeah. sweet. Right. <laughs> um, but you know, I do get like family members and stuff. They'll be like, Oh, I just got to lose some weight. And you know, what should I do? And then I go on an education rate. I'm like, well, what's your step count? Like what's your, you know, are you walking? Are you doing, are you doing the bare minimum stuff to begin with? Um, you know, are you watching, you know, what, what are you eating? Are you even keeping track of what you eat? You know, stuff like that. So I think a lot of that goes into play. Um, specifically for weight loss. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm more like you, I have maybe 15% of my total clientele are geared towards weight loss, yeah. but even then you're still kind of having conversations to most people about, you know, even during that weight loss phase, you're trying to prioritize muscle mass at all costs because that's yep. such a huge driver for metabolism and resting yeah. energy expenditure and all those things that actually help you lose weight, you know, yep. outside of the hormonal balances and, and sleep and timing of meal timing and all that kind of stuff that you can talk forever about. But, um, you know, like you mentioned, let's really hone in and this can be anything. What can we master the basics first before we start talking about, you know, uh, senior level type of, uh, arguments here. So that's a good one to kind of go back on. Um, let's, uh, kind of wrap it up here, um, with what does kind of just, just you for fun, or just you in a typical day, what's kind of an ideal kind of training day for you look like? Oh man. Ideal training day. Yeah. Most of my ideal training days lately. So this is going to come as a, not a shock, but I think people are like, really? That's it. <laughs> um, you know, wake up. I, I hang out with my son all morning. My daughter and my wife are doing their thing and we're all together. Cause we're, we all are under the same roof all day, by the way. Uh, <laughs> so, is your wife working from home? Yeah. She's is remote. She? So we are, we are, that's awesome. All all day, every day. Yeah. And she's still on maternity leave, but um, ideally, you know, around 11 o'clock, I started doing my pre-workout snack. So I usually pour like rice krispies with a protein shake and mix it all up, eat that, take my pre-workout shake. I time it so that when my son goes down at noon, the pre-workout like kicks You're ready in, to rip. <laughs> which is weird because I'm listening to Twinkle Twinkle Little Star on like a, <laughs> a dark room. Yeah. With, like, you know, ambient lighting and I'm watching this video and it like starts to like bring you down. And then I'm like the pre-workout, like I just leave enough to sit right after. So I don't come back up. And then, and then about awesome. like 10 minutes, yeah. And then 10 minutes after that, I'm like kicking into my warm up. Typically I might hit the bike for like 
maybe two to three minutes just to get my legs loose because I was laying in bed five minutes ago. <laughs> um, this is, I mean, this swear to God, this is the truth. And then yeah. I start doing, and my warm ups are, this is kind of a good note on warm ups. I know it's gearing off topic. My warm ups are just the movements I'm going to be doing that day. So mm-hmm. if I'm, if I got heavy Bulgarians, I start with body weight and I just work my way up to then my two heavy working sets. And then once I'm a little looser, my next compound is probably like, one or two warm-up sets and then boom my two working sets and then from there i really don't even do any warm-up it's just all my work so, yeah yeah um, you know then I, I get after it i probably do four to maybe five lifts but typically four exercises it takes me about 45 minutes and then i'm out and i love it, it. <laughs> and then i'm lucky i'm lucky if i get you know my son naps for a long time, so I can, I can always, almost always get the full workout in, but there's times where, you know, he wakes up or something happens and I got to go do something and I go, well, I got two compounds in, that's it for today. And yep. you book and that's it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, ideally I would love to go smash weights for an hour and a half. Like I did when <laughs> I was 25, but that's just, that ain't life anymore. So. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I could technically rebound from it. Like I did when I was 25 either. Like I used to, no, I don't, I you don't know. think so. I'm not, yeah. I'm built for the way I train now. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think that's, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, it's like, I don't know if this, the perceptions of, of people of, you know, in fitness, it's like, oh, they have all day to work out. You know, they, they're in it in their own area. Nobody's bothering them. They're doing their own thing. It's like, you know, no, Tom's literally putting a dude down for sleep. <laughs> it's got twinkle twinkle on. Then he goes and rips yep. it for 40 minutes. Maybe yep. does four or five movements during that session, but here's the key. He probably does it four to five times a week, right? Consistently yeah. every, every week. Pretty and much. He, yeah. That's, that's the takeaway message is like, keep it simple on a daily basis, but make that happen almost every day. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this, the last month has been, we've been sick. I told you this already, but we've been sick with, we had COVID. Then we had a little bit of a break. Then we had, we all had some kind of cold. So there's like two out of four, two out of four weeks minimum. Right. Then the week after the cold, I was doing flooring and I was on my hands and knees popping floor. I've worked out maybe four times in the last, maybe five times in the last, you know, four total weeks. Mm-hmm. But I know my foundation that I had all of the time before that, because I am pretty consistent all year round. And I know coming up starting tomorrow, actually, I'm getting starting to get back after it. I'll be back. So one segment of my life where there was four weeks where I barely worked out isn't going to kill me because I have all those habits that I built that I know I can pick up right where I left off. So when you do build those habits, even a month of just chaos doesn't derail you because yep. you actually look forward. Like I look forward to tomorrow because I'm like my son, either, either, well, he's a little sick right now. So he's either staying here or he's going to grab <laughs> But either way, I can get my workout in at that time. <laughs> and I'm stoked about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, I think for you, it's beyond a a habit. It's like, this is a behavior that you do because it makes you feel better. And that's the craving now, you know? Yeah. And that's, if you get to that point, then, because it's a big fear for most people. If I stop and I don't let myself do it for a month, I'm never going to start back again. Right. I can't wait to start. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm the same way. It's like, dude, I can't wait to work out tomorrow. It's going to be like 50 degrees. You know, it's a little breeze in the garage. It's going to be awesome. You know, it's like, I can't wait. I'm on like a split level basement. So I got three windows. I'll probably crack them just to get that flowing through if it it gets hot. Yeah. Yeah. I got to have some sunlight, man. I'm I'm all about getting that outdoor workout in now after being in the garage for the past four years. I love your setup. Your setup's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'll ask you to hang on here. Um, but what's the best, best way for, 
anybody listening that wants to follow you, maybe even reach out to work with you, what's the easiest way to get in touch? Yeah. So if you follow me on Instagram, it's strength remedy. So just like a remedy, uh, like a cure for your whatever. Um, and then uh, our website is level10coaching.co. So if you go to our website, you can check out all of our services. We have a whole blog page where tons of educational articles, you can subscribe to the blog. It sends you, uh, doesn't send you a bunch of emails. It's just like uh, every Friday we do an educational email that we blast out to people. Um, that's a great way to follow us. Um, yeah, those are probably the two best ways. And then you can always apply online to work with me or if you follow any of the other coaches or check them out and you like what they have to offer, you can apply to work with them too. That's awesome. I'll be sure to put those in the, the show notes so they can get a chance to see that and get all the spelling correct and all that good stuff. But I uh, um, really appreciate you uh, saving some time in the uh, coveted hours of the evening and uh, joining me for this episode, man. Thank you. Yep.